Welcome to Coaching Origins. I'm Jeff Pitwell. I want to thank all of you who have supported the podcast here in our first month. Hopefully you've enjoyed hearing the coaches' stories as much as I have. If you ever want to watch the podcast, you can also do that over at YouTube. Just search Coaching Origins. We've got the full episodes there. We've also got some short clips from each coach, so you can check those out if you don't have time to listen to the whole thing. But again, thank you for your continued support so far. Well, today's guest is the head coach of the Eastern Kentucky Colonels, A.W. Hamilton. Hamilton was born and raised in Kentucky. His unconventional coaching path only required him to be a Division I assistant coach for one year before he returned home to take over the Eastern Kentucky program. Here's Coaching Origins with A.W. Hamilton. All right, A.W., let's go back to high school, win a state championship there at Scott County, and uh, then ended up at Hargrave Military Academy there for a year of, uh, of prep school, just for, I guess, the uninitiated. Uh, what is, and that's a place that obviously is a, is a very impactful uh, a place in your basketball life, uh, but what, what, what was your experience like there as a player at, at, at Hargrave? You know, it's weird, Jeff. It was it was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. You know, I I, I didn't have a high enough ACT score, um, and I ended up having to go to a prep school or, or a junior college, um, and and my path ended up taking me to Hargrave Military Academy. You know what it did too, Jeff. So I go I go try out for Fork Union for Fletcher Arrett, and then I go try out for for Kevin Keats at Hargrave Military Academy. I end up at Hargrave, and, and the best thing it did for me is I learned how to learn. Um, I really grew as a student. Um, I grew as a person. I, I the fear of, of of going away from home and being homesick uh, was cured for me. You know, when when you go to a place like Hargrave, I, it's the best prep school you can possibly go to. It's an all boys military boarding school in Chatham, Virginia, in the middle of nowhere. Um, but there's no TVs back then. There was no cell phones. Um, you, you know, you just focused on becoming a better person every day. There was so much structure, so much discipline. Um, it was really, really good for me. You would have never thought, okay, A.W. Hamilton in high school didn't have enough, uh, a high enough ACT score. Fast forward a year, uh, he ends up at one of the best academic universities in the country at Wake Forest. I mean, it makes no sense. If you knew me in high school, you'd have said, man, no way that could have happened. How does the recruiting process start for you when you're at a prep school or is it, is it sort of a, does it, I, I guess, you know, you're being recruited out of high school and then maybe it, it pauses for a second while you go to prep school though. How, how did that process work for you uh, in terms of being recruited to, get, to ultimately get to wake? So what happens is the amount of exposure you get um, at Hargrave, you know, it, when you go there, uh, people automatically think, okay, this kid's going to be a qualifier. And, and, you know, so the amount of exposure I got and, you know, you know, this from, from, you know, college athletics and, and basketball recruiting, there's only a certain amount of days that you get where you can go out and see prospects. Um, and you got to use those wisely. So if you're a college basketball coach and you say, okay, I can go to Hargrave military Academy. I can see 10 to 12 division one prospects. I'm going there. So in the matter from September 9th, when the, the, the live period starts um, up until October, you know, we would have anywhere from 100 to 150 Division One schools come in the gym. And, you know, um, I, I really gained a lot of confidence playing for Kevin Keats. And, you know, he really did a lot for me as a person. 
And I get, I end up getting recruited by every, everybody. I, I was, I went from a guy that in high school, you know, I really wanted to go to Georgetown College. I wanted to play for Happy Osborne, man. That's what I wanted to do. And then I get to Hargrave and Tom Izzo offers me a scholarship. Alabama, I go on a visit to VCU and I end up signing with Wake Forest. You're at Wake for a little bit. You finished your career, uh, really a, a nice college career there at, at Marshall. But when did the coaching bug for you? When, when did you realize or decide, I guess, that that was a path that when your playing career was done that, that you, wanted to, you wanted to get into the coaching ranks? You know, when you're a kid from Kentucky, you know, when I growing up, my dad, he recorded every single one of Kentucky basketball games, every game we recorded. And as a kid, I mean, we'd pop those games in the VHS and we'd watch those tapes and watch those games. Um, then Rick Pitino becomes the coach at, at Kentucky. It was like a rock star came and it was like, man, and, you know, they're pressing, they're running, they're shooting threes. And then I go to high school and I play for a guy named Billy Hicks. And I remember his assistant coach, Billy Sargent, who was my JV coach and the assistant coach on the varsity. He was a gym teacher and a basketball coach. And I'm thinking to myself, this is what I want to do. This is what I got to do. And this is this is my path. And then, you know, then I end up, you know, playing at Hargrave. I, I play at Wake Forest. I play at Marshall. And, and, you know, what happens to me, Jeff, is I get to Marshall and my GPA wasn't high enough to get into the education program. So I had a major in communications and I was like, you know what, I'm going to coach in college. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a college basketball coach. And, you know, but it's something as a young kid, I, I knew I was going to be a coach. Uh, my, my dream as a kid was to be a PE teacher and a high school basketball coach. And, you know, that path kind of changed as I kept going in my, my playing career. I was reading there in your college days, you would spend some summers working Tubby Smith's camp uh, at Kentucky and, uh, sort of in the time of your uh, growing, I don't know if it's your growing philosophies, but you're at least growing your Rolodex and meeting people and, and trying to build some sort of relationships. What, what do you remember about those camps and, and what was sort of the biggest, uh, the biggest impact it had on you and biggest takeaway you were able to, uh, to get out of it? You know, so I'm, Ron Jersa was my, my coach um, that I finished with at Marshall. I played for Greg White and then Ron Jersa. And, and coach, I, coach knew I wanted to be a college basketball coach. He was like, so you, you got to work some camps. You need to work camps. And he was like, you know, Tubby Smith is one of my best friends. He said, I'm going to get you into Kentucky's basketball camp. And I was like, are you serious? I mean, I, I get to work Tubby Smith's basketball camp. So I go there. Um, we're working camp. And I, I, I did it every summer uh, in as many sessions that Tubby would let me. But the thing that I remember the most, is Tubby, there's, there's like 500 kids at this camp. There's, there's tons of coaches and high school coaches and people that are dying to be there. Tubby walked up to every single person, shook their hand, um, genuinely, um, you know, cared about each person and just made a, just like a personal connection with that. Like when I met Tubby Smith, I was like, this guy already really knows me. Like this guy really genuinely likes me. Tubby hadn't probably had no idea who I was, but I was like, you know, that's the type of person I want to be. I want to be just like that, you know, and like I want to have that that type that that type of first impression on people. I want to I want to be I want people to to know that I'm genuinely a nice person. And I think Tubby Smith, you know, working this camp, that was the most impactful thing I've got out of there. Did you have any and I'm sure your high school coach was it was a was a massive influence on you, but uh, for maybe the higher ranks and maybe even from afar, uh, you know, 
your relationship with Tubby, maybe not Tubby's relationship with you, but in terms of, of sort of coaching mentors and guys that you, uh, you know, studied a little bit and, and maybe just tried to pull some things as you were putting together and workshopping your own personal uh, coaching philosophy? Yeah, you know, when when I was coming up in the state of Kentucky, when in high school, in high school basketball, Kentucky, well, however Kentucky plays, <clears throat> most of the high school coaches, you know, emulate that. You know, that it's, you know, when Kentucky plays a game here in this state, you, you know they're playing when you when no cars are on the road. That's it's right. like, oh, that's right. must be playing, you know, <clears throat> or or EKU, right? There you so, go. But uh, so when I was in when I was in high school and I was growing up, it was pressing, running, shooting threes. So then I played for a guy named Billy Hicks, and that's what we did. I mean, we were we were red heat, and it was I mean, we pressed for for thirty two minutes. None of and all the starters we didn't come out of the game. We were in the best shape of anybody in the state. We win a state title, and I that was just the brand that I loved. And then I go play for Kevin Keats, and we played the same way, and. You know, and, and I got lucky, Jeff, because <clears throat> I played for Billy Hicks, who's a high school legend. Kevin Keats, is, who's, you know, like a father figure to me. He's just he's phenomenal in all facets of life. I played for uh, Dave Odom, Skip Prosser, Greg White, and then Ron Jersey. <clears throat> it was amazing. <clears throat> when you are done at Marshall and – I guess we're going to start the path and you're going to go with the GA there uh, with coach Jersa for that one year. Um, how different was that for you? I guess maybe now, you know, the GA is kind of in that purgatory where you're not a player anymore. You're not really a coach, but you've got, you've got connections to both sides of that, uh, of that conversation. What, what was that like for you uh, sliding into that different role with guys that I'm sure are, you know, you, you played with just a year before. It was, and, and, you know, it was – I was so uh, set on being a college basketball coach. I, I remember when Coach told me he was going to hire me as a GA. Uh, I, I went to the library, and I Googled, what is a college basketball coach? What do they look like? What do, I, what do I need to look like? So everybody had this briefcase, so I got me a briefcase. Um, you know, I got me some khaki pants. I got me a nice polo. I remember I walk in the office, and um, I'm like, Coach, I'm, I'm ready to do it. I said, I can watch film. I can work the guys out. Whatever you need me to do recruiting-wise, I'll get it done. He said, hey, Deb, listen. He said, if you want to make it in this business, you got to become the best envelope stuffer in the country. And I was like, what? And he said, you're not going to need that briefcase. And he said, don't worry about those khaki pants. And he said, I'm going to give you a couple of T-shirts. He said, come on back here. He, he takes me back, and there was the war room. And he said, you're going to fold and stuff 500 recruiting letters a day. And he said, you're going to walk these across campus and you're going to drop them off at the mailroom. And he said, and if you do this and you become the best envelope stuffer in the country, you might make it in this business. And like, I'm, I'm thinking like, no, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be the next Rick Pitino or Tubby Smith or, you know, Billy Donovan or, you know, Greg White or Kevin Kitten. You know, I'm, I'm thinking like, I'm, you know, he's like, no, 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 no. He said, slow down. And then, you know, I, it, it was I was an adjustment. Um uh, because, you know, when you go from a player to, a, to the coach, you know, you, you really don't know the other side, but it was great. I'm lear I, I worked with, you know, Bob McKinnon, Josh Pastorino, Aki Collins, um, Kyle Getter, 
And, uh, you know, I, I just, I learned so much. I learned so much. And I was one heck of an envelope stuffer, Jeff. I'm telling you, man, I could stuff 500 recruiting letters so fast. I mean, I'd get across campus and I'd get back and our director of operations was Kyle Getter. And I'd be like, Getter, come on, man. You got to give me something else to do, man. Give me something else to do. I'll get it done. Did you earn a respect for the job that maybe you didn't have going in? And just, I mean, the whole point of this podcast ultimately, and and you know, in your career, I mean, it's just, there is no, everybody starts on, if not the ground floor of the basement of the, of this job. And, and what, what did you learn about that to your point with, with just coach just being like, let's pump the brakes. We're going, we're going to the mailroom first to, uh, to sort of earn your stripes. Well, it, 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 what it did for me is it, it got me ready for my next job when I became an assistant coach at Hargrave Military Academy. Um, coach Keats calls me. He offers me $10,000 in a fully furnished apartment. So um, I get to Hargrave. Uh, I sign my contract. I couldn't believe it. I call my mom and dad. I'm like, I'm getting paid to coach basketball. This is crazy. And I said, then I get in a free and I get a free apartment. I walk up to my apartment. There's a futon and a box TV. And uh, if that had happened to me the year before, I wouldn't have made it. But you know what it did was uh, my focus was then at that point, like because Coach Keats told me, he's like, you're going to be able to do everything. He said, I'm going to have two assistants. He said, so I I was the best at mopping the floor. I was the best laundry guy in the country. I could, uh, you know, we'd get back from a road trip. I drove the bus. Um, I would fuel that bus up so quick. I would clean it up. I'd get it ready for the next wave of athletic, you know, teams going out the next day. Um, I could break down the film. I I could make a a recruiting graphic. Um, You know, he would let me get on the court and work the guys out. So it, it just gave me an appreciation, like, you know, I, I've got to be the best assistant coach. And then, you know, I got to be the best GA in the country. I didn't, you know, I kind of got over myself when Coach Jersa had that conversation with me. And, and it helped me, you know, I, I, that was my focus. It, you know, sometimes I think the young people think like, I'm, let, let me skip a step. Let me, let me just, you know, I, I need a, I need to, I need to recruit or I'm ready to do this. Or I'm ready to do that. Well, you know, let, let's, let's master this. Let's, let's be the best envelope stuffer in the country. Let's see how good you can mop that floor every day. Let's see how well you can get the laundry done, you know, and um, you know, that, that, that year at Marshall really helped me prepare, it prepared me for my next stop. And, you know, I went to Hargrave. I was there for five years, years as an assistant. I lived on a futon. I watched a box TV, you know, and and I absolutely loved it. I mean, it was, you know, 630 in the morning uh, till 10 o'clock at night. I mean, I ran study hall every single night, 730 to 930. Um, You know, we had to do it twice a week. But any teacher at Hargrave, if they didn't want to do study hall, they knew to email me and they'd pay me 20 bucks and I'd do their study hall. It was just, you know, I was just I was just that invested. I, I wanted it so bad. And um, it, it was really good for me. When you're making 10 grand a year, 20 bucks is a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. Now in Chatham, Virginia, 10 grand now was pretty good. You know, I mean, sure. I could, <clears throat> I had a free apartment and we had a pizza hut and man, I could get pizza hut and that was good. And I could, that was back when you went to the like blockbuster and actually rented a movie. And like on a Friday night, you pop it in and it was great. You know, nowadays you don't do that. Everybody's got Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff, but those were those were the great days. I mean, I, I remember I go get me a pizza on a Friday night, go rent me a movie and I just chill out. From from the coaching aspect of, of being at a prep school uh, like Hargrave and obviously you guys had great success there. But 
I mean, guys are in and out in a year, right? I mean, it's a constant. How does how does recruiting work for the uninitiated in, in all of this? I mean, are, are they coming to you? Uh, is it how 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 do you acquire players and and you're in a constant state of acquisition? That was the good thing for us as an assistant when when I was at Hargrave. So we would get so many calls and so many emails from young people that wanted to play at Hargrave. So coach would let us, um, you know, facilitate those. And then we would basically bring all those kids on campus. We'd have tryouts. And then, you know, coach would then go out and, and he would recruit our, our top level players. Um, so it, it was great because, you know, the kids are dying to come to a place like Hargrave. They're, they're like knocking the door down. And then you got to go out and, you know, because the standard there is so high and the expectation is so high. I mean, even when I got the job, so I'm following Kevin Keats. He's 237 and 22 with two national championships. That, that was an easy act to follow, you know. And then, you know, so, you know, the, the bar is set so high there that, you know, you, you got to beat the bushes and you got to get the right kids in there. But, you know, so it's kind of a mixture. And then you get the calls from, you know, we used to get a lot of calls from Division One coaches that, they would have they signed a player and that he may not have had a high enough ACT score, SAT score, high enough GPA. So they would place guys in there with us. So it was a combination of things and, you know, which was great because you got a lot of learning experience. When it comes to the job and now it's yours, um, you know, is, is it a uh, when, when coach Keats moves on, I guess, first of all, did he give you any, do you remember any advice that he gave you that now this is, this is your ship to run? He, he did. He said, listen, you're, you don't be like, don't, you cannot emulate me. You have to be a W Hamilton. You can't be Kevin Keats. He said, you're ready for this job. You know, he, he said, you've been loyal. You know how to run this program. Um, you played here. Uh, you're very well respected here. You're ready for this job. You got to be A.W. Hamilton. You can't be Kevin Keats. Um, and, and that that was my focus. And, you know, so what I had to do, with Jeff, is like <clears throat> I, I, I didn't know if I could if starting out, if I was going to win a national championship year one. I mean, we had just won one two years before coach left. Um, you know, we were in the final four every year. Uh, I said, well, so what I got to do is like. I got to I, I got to be a, a great fundraiser and I've got to rally the community around me. So I said, OK, so what we're going to do, we're going to play more home games. And then, you know, let, I'm going to try to fundraise. I'm going to try to renovate the gym. I want to renovate our office. I, I want to do some things that I, I've got to I've got to leave my legacy uh, on this uh, on Hargrave. I've, I've got to leave my legacy um, as the basketball coach here. And then, you know, I got lucky my first year, you know, I. My first call when I got the job was to Montrez Harrell. I had to, you know, I had to keep him on my roster. And we ended up going 38 and one, got beaten the national championship game. And, you know, it was just we 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 generated a lot of excitement. And, and with that team, I had such a special team. You know, we went from playing like five home games a year to like my first year, we played like 15 or 16. And I was just finding different ways to get people in the gym. And so we gained a lot of a lot of excitement and traction from the community. And um, it was a lot of fun. And that I was very fortunate because my first year as a head coach, I had one of the most special group of players and people that you can ever imagine. It's one of those teams you dream about having. And then I was so naive. I thought every year is going to be like this. 
And then, you know, I quickly learned that it's not. Uh, I just had a group that they were so connected. They loved each other. They were so bought into me. They were so bought into our brand and our style of play. And, um, yeah, and they went 38 and one. And we, we almost won the national title. We played against a really good Brewster team. Um, and one of my better players, Ryan Taylor, rolled his ankle about 10 minutes ago in the game. And we just we, we couldn't overcome it. I think it was Lou Holtz that said once upon a time that, you know, winning the national championship was easy. It, it's staying at the top after it is the challenge. And, and I, I think, I mean, you think you lost 20 games in your six seasons uh, there at Hargrave after the great success that coach Keats had had. And, and obviously it's a different kind of program and you know, there's always going to be turnover and there's always going to be, you know, you're, you're relearning a team and, tr- you know, trying to speed up the chemistry part of the process. But what did you learn about not only success, but just, okay, we've got it, but this is how we have to maintain this standard year in and year out, no matter who's here. Yeah. You know, I, I put a lot of, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself, you know, because I, when we went 38 and one, Jeff, I was like, okay, we're going to do that next year. We're going to do it again. Well, I said, we'll get right back to the national championship game and we're going to win it. And I had Terry Rozier that year, and I lost six games with Terry Rozier. I lost six games with Terry Rozier. I did it. I did a horrible job that next year coaching, and um, and ended up ended up being one of the best things for me. You know, and then I, you know, that my third year and my fourth year and my fifth year, we got better and better. Um, in my fifth year, we just we had such a another special group of guys that just you know I I told my team Jeff my team at EKU I tell I tell our guys this all the time. My goal is. I'm, my goal is not to win the A-Sun championship. That's not that's not my goal. My goal is for when we lose, whenever it is, whether it's in the A-Sun semifinals, the championship game, the NCAA tournament, the NIT, whenever we lose, for all 14 guys to be crying in that locker room, every player, every coach, every manager, for, for everybody to be so invested into each other, into Eastern Kentucky, that it hurts so much when we finally lose and our, our team breaks up. And, you know, you, you, you're always searching for that as a coach. And my fifth year, I, I had that type of group again. It was like my first year that just, you know, they loved each other so much and, and just were so connected and so bought into each other and me and the staff and the school and, and we won the national championship. We go 47 and one. And then, you know, with that team, I've got Braxton Beverly, the young Braxton Beverly. And he was, oh, boy, he was good. Um, he comes back for a, another year and plays for me two years in a row, him and Ira Bennett. And that next year, we, you know, we, we march right back to the, the semifinals of the national term and end up getting beat. But, you know, it, it, it didn't hurt as bad because I was so proud and we had won that national championship and, you know, we went 90 and three in a two year span. And, you know, I just, you learn a lot as you go, you learn a lot as you go, but I mean, they all hurt, but you know, it was, um, it's been a, it was a fun ride at Hargrave. I tell you, it was a fun ride. I, I, I got to learn so much just on the fly, you know, fundraising and managing a budget, putting together a schedule, you know, my first couple of years, you should have seen how terrible a job I put. The, I mean, I did a terrible job scheduling. Jeff, I'd have us playing a home game on a Friday and then on Saturday driving four hours playing an away game. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Well, after the six years, uh, you 
you went and visited an old friend with uh, with Coach Keats there at, at NC State. I guess before you make the decision to go, was was there any opportunities in those six years for you to move on, move up, or or were you pretty lockstep there at Hargrave for that entire time? I had opportunities. I, I had offers. Um, but, you know, what happens to me, Jeff, is, you know, I was – I met my wife on a blind date my second year at Hargrave. And we um, we ended we got married. We had a little girl, Charlie, our first our first child, and she was born right there in Danville, Virginia. And then you know we had another little girl, Andy, and like it, you know life was just going really well, and I, I just couldn't leave, and I was happy. I was I was winning forty games a year, averaging. You know, I mean, like they thought I invented the game there, and I, I was terrible at some of the things I did. I look back on it. I was like, I can't believe I ran that play. What was I thinking? But, you know, it was hard. And then when coach offered me the job at NC State, he said, hey, Dub, listen, I'm going to give you 24 hours. You got to make a decision and, and you know, and or I'm going to move on. And so I, I bust in the door. I'm like, Chelsea, listen, uh, Chelsea's my wife. I said, you're never going to believe this, but I got offered an assistant coaching job at NC State. And I was like, I, I just don't know if I'm going to take the job. And she was like, well, let me help you. If you don't take the job, I'm going to divorce you. And I was like, well, okay, well, I'm going to take the job. You know, so I'm going to take the job. And, you know, it was hard. It was hard leaving. Um, but it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up on. I remember Ben Davenport, who was our, our board of uh, regents there, um, who, who's a mentor of mine. I go see him and I'm so, I tell him, Mr. D, I, you know, I don't know what to do. And he was like, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you what to do. Because every time I got offered a job, I went to see Mr. Davenport and he would tell me, don't leave. I'm going to give you a raise. So I always, you know, I just and um, but this time it was different. He said, now you're leaving. You're, you're going with Kevin and you're going to take this job. And he said, I, I want you to always remember something. It's not what you get. It's what you give. And um, you just never forget that. And, and you go to NC State and and. You, you, you do whatever you have to do to help Kevin win and, and you take it from there. So I go to NC State. <clears throat> it was great. We rented a house. I told Chelsea, I said, you know, I'm a big goals guy, Jeff. I'm, in, my, in the eighth grade, my grandfather sat me down and he said, hey, Dub, listen, this will be the most important conversation of your life. And I'm in the eighth grade, Jeff, and I'm looking at him like, what the hell? What are we going to be talking about here? And he said, what we're going to do? He said, you're going to set five goals for your high school career. And he said, you're not going to treat these like a New Year's resolution. You're not going to write them down and put them in a desk drawer in a shoebox. He said, what we're going to do, we're going to write these down. We're going to Office Max. We're going to get them laminated. And you're going to put these on your mirror. So every day you brush your teeth, you're going to see these goals. So it was the most important conversation of my life, you know, because when I was transitioning from Hargrave to NC State, that, that conversation that my grandfather had with me, it kept, it, I just kept hearing his voice. And I said, you know what? I'm anxious. I'm nervous. You know, I'm leaving a place that I've been for 11 years. Um, I'm, I'm going back to being an assistant. I said, you know, I, I got to write, I got to write my goals down again. So I took out my checkbook. I wrote both of my little girls a $1 million check. I dated it from when they turned 18 years old. I had, my goal was to become a division one head coach in the year. Um, I wanted to be the best assistant coach in, in the ACC. That was my focus. I put all these goals up on my mirror. Uh, we go to Raleigh. Nine months later, I'm the head coach at Eastern Kentucky. You know, crazy. I mean, I'm from Georgetown. I mean, you know, it's 40 minutes down the road. It's unbelievable. Well, before we get to Richmond, uh, that year there at NC State, uh, 
It's your first year as in this division one assistant coach, you're out on the road, you're recruiting, you know, this it's, I guess it's a little different than Hargrave where you got people kicking down your door, trying to get in. You've now got to go recruit and try to lure them into your backyard. Um, what was, what was that experience like of, of not only, uh, you know, you're a division one assistant, but you're, you're in the ACC, buddy. I mean, you're, you're, you're swimming in deep waters. It was, it was, uh, the recruiting part was probably the easiest part for me to get adjusted to. Um, you know, I, I really believe in Kevin Keats and I, I love him so much. It was easy for me to sell him. <clears throat> you know, I mean, obviously I'm selling NC state, um, but you're selling the head coach. And, um, uh, so that was easy for me. Um, it was it was the other things that I had to learn. I never had, knew how to learn a Mac, run a MacBook. And I looked at this MacBook. I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, this. I said, no, I need a big desktop computer, man. That's what I need still. And they're like, no, 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 you got to do everything on this MacBook. So you know, learning those type of things, learning how you know um, you know to put together a scouting report at, at that level and and do different things like that um, was was the thing that I had to adjust to the most, but. You know, it was, you know, we signed a great class uh, the year I was there. I mean, you know, I, Manny Bates, um, Fun, Derek Funderburk. I mean, we, we, you know, Sadiq Bay. We, you know, we signed Sadiq Bay. It was a huge gift for us. You know, Braxton Beverly was a good, huge gift for us. So the recruiting was, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed that as I, I enjoyed selling Coach Keats. And then Eastern Kentucky comes open. You said nine months later. Um, I, I was reading that the uh, athletic director there at the time at, at Eastern said there's a difference between guys that apply for jobs and guys that want jobs, and that you you wanted Eastern Kentucky. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's home. It's you know stone's throw from where you grew up. And um, when when do you remember that uh, that opening uh, catching on 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 your radar and and what was sort of the steps that you and probably every favor you could call in at that point to try to, to try to get you toward the front of the line. You know, we're, we're coming back from the NCAA tournament. <clears throat> you know, when in the NCAA tournament, you lose, they get you on that plane so fast, you know, right. <laughs> it's, but um, so we lose the Seton hall um, on the bottom ticker. It says Eastern Kentucky men's coach has resigned. Um, I get home. I tell my wife, I'm like, Chelsea, you know, you're never going to believe this Eastern Kentucky job just opened. She was like, well, I, I don't know why you're sitting here telling me you need to call the athletic director. So I, I did everything I possibly could to get through to the athletic director. Um, he finally calls me back and he says, Hey, listen, I, I've had so many people apply for this job. You're, you're not on my radar. I'm, I appreciate your interest. And I was like, look, I said, sir, nobody wants this job more than me. I said, I just need to talk to you. I'm not asking for you to hire me. I just need to talk to you. So he was, you know, about a week later, he finally, he finally, you know, he breaks down. I mean, this is after I did everything I possibly, every favor and phone call, the, you know, text message. And heck, I sent him a six foot ladder in the mail. I don't know if you've ever got one of those, but that's, that's probably a little <laughs> bit overwhelming. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, he finally. Well, wait, wait, wait. All right. So I, I can guess, but why are, why are we sending him a ladder? Well, you know, I was like, I, I put in a note. I said, Hey, man, you're going to climb up on this ladder one day if you hire me. <laughs> And uh, so, um, but he, he finally, we finally have a conversation and I was, you know, my, my, my biggest thing was to show that nobody wanted the job more than me. Um, I, I'm nobody could sell Eastern like I could, I, I'm a Kentucky guy. 
you know, this is where I was born and raised and, and my family's still here and my wife's from here. And um, I said, I, I, all I wanted, I want to get it. Had, I wanted to get in front of that search committee. So, you know, I, I was able to get in front of the search committee. Uh, Jeff, I've, I've always been, I had to do different things. You know, I had a, you know, video presentation, um, video resume. I don't want to give out all my secrets, but, uh, you know, I'm a big propaganda guy. I want people to see um, what my vision, I want them to feel it. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big energy guy. And it was, uh, you know, I had a great, a great interview and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I, I think I interviewed on a Tuesday, they called me on Thursday, offered me the job and told me how much I was going to get paid. I, I didn't tell them, but I'd have done it for free. You know, what's that phone call like? You know, I, I interview on Tuesday. I probably, I sent my wife back home. I told her, um, I, I fly out on Monday. I do my interview on Tuesday. I fly back to Raleigh on Tuesday night. I told my wife on Monday, I said, you just, just go home. Just go back to Northern Kentucky. Just be with your family. And, you know, I said that I, I need, you know, I, I didn't sleep. I don't think for like, a, I was so anxious and so nervous. And is I, I'm, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a big believer. I think God, he's got his hand on us. He's guiding us. He knows what, what, what he's going to do. And, you know, he, he put me here for a reason. Um, but until they called, made that phone call to me, man, it, there were some great candidates for this job. This is a great job. This is a division one head coaching job. It's a great university. It's in a beautiful town and city. I mean, it's, it's a great place. And, uh, you know, I had to beat out some pretty stiff competition. What do you remember about press conference day walking up to that podium? You know, I look out there and I, I see my mom and dad and, you know, they're in tears. And, you know, there was, there were so many people there because this is, you know, I'm from Georgetown. I mean, like I saw people I hadn't seen in like 20 years. And uh, I mean, it was, the gym was packed. Um, and uh, I remember I, I had no idea what to say. You know, I was so anxious and I took out a note card like five minutes before I went out there. And, I, you know, I'm a, when I when I put together a speech, I just put like one or two words down. And, you know, I kind of just draw from that. And um, it, it was great. We have this lady here called Donna. She's our, our super fan. And as soon as I get up there on the podium, she starts hollering and yelling. And I was like, I'm, I'm at home. I'm at home. This is just going to be fun. So but it was it was uh, it was a great day. It was a great day. Well, my last question for you, uh, your advice that you would give to the, to the 22 year old who's finishing their career playing or we're not, but they want to get into college coaching and someday they want to lead however long that path may take them. They want to lead their own uh, division one program. What would be your best piece of advice that you could pass on? You know, I've got 18 of my former players are now coaching and, um, I'll tell anybody who's listening to this, the same thing I tell them, be the best at whatever your role is, whether if the head coach has got you breaking down film, be the best video coordinator in the country. If your job is to organize the food for the guys, be the best at that job, whatever it is that that head coach needs, be the best at that job. Don't, don't, don't look ahead. Uh, don't think anything is beneath you. Just be the best, like the best thing I ever did was become the best envelope stuffer in the country. That was the best thing I ever did. If that doesn't happen to me, I don't know if I would have made it, you know, and that, that piece of advice that Ron Jersey gave me, 
it um, it got me going in college basketball. It, it got me going in college. And, and that's what I've got a 23 year old kid as my director of operations. He started off. He was a walk on for me when I got here. Um, he turned into a volunteer video coordinator. Then I got him up to ten thousand dollars a year. Then my operation guy just leaves. And now he's 23 years old, man, and he's the director of basketball operations at Eastern Kentucky. But he, what he did was he was the best volunteer assistant video guy in the country. And, and then he, he, just, he just worked and worked and worked. And, you know, now young coaches, if, if you can master Photoshop, if you can master video, there's a place for you. There's a place for you. And then you get in there and you're so loyal and you're the best at that job. That head coach, whoever he is, he's going to take care of you. You know, this is a hard profession and you got to have the right people around you. Thanks to Coach Hamilton for joining me. And thanks to you, as always, for listening to Coaching Origins. If you liked what you heard today and want to hear more, please go to wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe, leave a comment, leave us a five-star review if you think we've earned it so we can continue to bring you the origin stories of the coaches who have made college basketball the great game that it is. Yeah.